So let me get this straight. You're saying that you're the daughter of Billy Loomis and what, that one of us is the killer? The killer told me he knew my secret. He attacked Tara to lure me back here. But then why immediately go and murder some douche nozzle that was stalking Liv? Why does it have to be one of us? And what about Deputy Dewey here? Maybe he's the killer. No offense. None taken, but what's my motive? You got stabbed a billion times, got dumped by your famous wife, and crawled into a bottle. I think it's safe to say you're on the suspect list. Well, maybe you're the killer. Because that cut deep. aspect of that movie screen five or five cream if you prefer <laughs> no one prefers that <laughs> uh, yes no one does <laughs> absolutely no one does um, <laughs> i didn't get a chance to do the rewatch however in my first watch of it about uh two weeks ago i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was hella smart the comedy landed when it needed to, and I was thrilled by it. But what were your initial thoughts on Scream 5? So I specifically remember I was running a couple of minutes late to my screening in truly terrible form for a professional. <laughs> and as I ran through the door, the screen lit up and the first phone ring happened. Hello? Hello. Is Christina there? No, she's not available. May I take a message? Uh, yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, sorry. I'm a friend of hers from group. I, oh, shit. From her shit? Um, look, just, uh, tell her I'm from group. I'm Charlie. She's got my number. Oh, she goes to group? Look, I shouldn't have, uh, just tell her that Charlie called. And I will do exactly that, Charlie. Once you tell me what kind of group we're talking about, is it That's, AA, yeah, NA? Well, you sound exactly like she describes you. Uh, she talks about me in group? Uh, look, I don't think I can really talk about that. What did she say about me? Well, she loves you very much. Oh, what does she love about me? Oh, uh, okay, well, she loves that you're creative. You love art and TV and movies. Okay, well, lots of people love movies. Yeah, but she says you love scary movies and that you guys have that in common. She's proud of making a fan out of you. She is? Yeah. She told me the other day, she wonders, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, shit, that's great timing. God I, damn. like, slid in Indiana Jones style. <laughs> Temple Gates going down, just enough time to grab the hat and get the, get the butt in the seat. And I just remember thinking... The whole the whole time, damn, these people really get what worked about the first one. Absolutely, yes. In a way that doesn't feel like they're ripping it off, but it feels like they know the playbook. Yeah. And it feels very Wes Craveny in a way that does not feel like, again, a ripoff or a spoof. 
but it, it feels like they sat down with him and talked through how it would be directed, which obviously he didn't do unless I had a good Ouija board. But um, it, <laughs> I was kind of blown away by that because I felt that Scream 4, Scream 4 feels less like a Wes Craven movie to me than this does. Yeah, but that was, like, his, that was his last one. He was, you know. Upon revisiting Scream 4, because I did watch Scream 4 before watching this, I kind of had a realization about what I think I didn't like about it. What was that? I don't think three is good, by the way, but like, hear me out. I think it has a really good mix of horror and funny. It's yeah. horror and stuff that you are like chuckling about because it's parodying what's popular in horror. Yeah. And it feels very mixed. It's a well-mixed cocktail, right? Mm-hmm. Where you get notes of humor and notes of fear in the same sip, right? And I feel like Scream 4 is a little bit more of like a layered cocktail where you can see those lines really clearly. You're like, this is the horror set piece. This is the comedy set piece. This is the horror set piece. This is the comedy set piece. And there's a lot of red and blue layers, but there's not very much purple. Yeah. And to me, the thing that I loved about Scream 1 and 2 and 3 to an extent is that there was a lot of purple. It was mostly purple. Now, Scream 3 might be a more comedy purple than a horror purple, but it was yeah. still mixed. The biggest problem with Scream 3 was it did lean into the comedy, but it was such a tonal pivot that it kind of stuck out, especially from 1 and 2. So, so for me, that doesn't bother me because it kind of feels like by then, I believe the first scary movie was at least in development. So it feels oh, to yeah, me scary. like he was trying to get out ahead of that or at least be competitive with that. While still doing that, I don't care. I really like Scream 3. I will fight about it in the DMs. Scream 1 and 2 are like horror parodies. I feel like Scream 3 is a parody horror. Yeah. And that switch is subtle, but very noticeable. And I totally get that it doesn't land with everybody. But for me, I would rather have a mixed cocktail that's well mixed, even if it's not my favorite set of flavors, than a layered cocktail where every sip tastes different. Scream 5, to me is back to that really, really well-mixed cocktail. Yeah. Is it every single one of my favorite flavors? No. Is it still a damn well-balanced drink that I can appreciate a whole hell of a lot and I like many of the flavors in? Yes, absolutely. To me, it's right back to that sweet spot of horror and comedy. The things that they're parodying are still scary. The things that are scary are still homage or parody. And like its balance is so good. It's so good. And like, I have found myself thinking back on it. I haven't had time to rewatch it either, but revisiting moments in that movie going, oh, wait, I bet if I watched that again, that would click in different. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed. I can definitely say that like, I think enough time has definitely passed. We're like two different horror generations from the original Scream. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're now at a point to where even though in 96 we were parroting and we're making commentary and, and having meta-ness, now Scream is such a part of the ethos that now other shit has come beyond it. And then now we can now all parody Scream and this whole nother shit. And when 3 came out and 4 came out, there wasn't enough separation in that. So it wasn't enough to kind of stick out in that kind of way. But this one, Scream 5, it really stuck out in a really good way. And I think the best scene 
is probably the, I would call it an interrogation scene, but when they're all at the house for the first time and everyone's yeah. saying, you're a suspect, you're a suspect. Well, in the funniest line, oh my God, <laughs> when Dewey was like, you're the killer. Is that cut deep? Cut deep. <laughs> I fucking died laughing. That shit was so fucking I, on the money. I think my my favorite line might be when Jack Quaid says, "Holy shit, it's Ghostface!" I got you here, didn't I? You might actually be the most derivative one of all. I mean, Christ, the same house. Maybe so. But you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie: never answer the. I'm bored. Wait. <sighs> Put your hands out! Show me your hands! What are you doing in there? Hiding you from murderers? I told you to come out! I'm not gonna come out! You're shooting everything! Holy shit, it's Ghostface! And just the delivery on that is so clutch. But I also think that this movie had a really hard job of parodying a parody without becoming a joke. Yeah. And I think it lands that amazingly. Like that is such a tightrope that you have to walk. And I think it did a beautiful job with it. And the homages to the characters that happened and passed, I thought when they happened, when they kind of came up were tasteful, they weren't super heavy handed, but at a certain point they do a crane shot of the home theater and you, or it's not a crane shot. It's like a a rotating shot, right? Cause the kids are all leaving and you're watching them leave and it's kind of centered behind the couch and you just keep seeing Randy. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's like yeah randy would be watching this and just being like what the fuck is going on like yeah i loved that the relationships the original characters didn't feel shoehorned in or heavy-handed i liked that they got the actress who played randy's sister to come back yeah that was a nice touch everything in it felt plotted and thought out certain characters quote unquote redemption arcs felt a little unearned to me we can talk about that more in the spoiler corner all right But I do feel that in some ways they definitely maybe over-honored some of our Scream forefathers. (laughs) Scream forefather, that's funny. And that definitely, like, especially towards the very end, bugs me. I do wonder if they are trying to set up for the Scream 6, which is, you know, uh, I don't know, we need to be pre-planning, you know, another movie. But I feel like it possibly may be playing into that. I do want to comment on what you said about this really does feel like a throwback to the original mm-hmm. and at least the original two. I wonder how close they did consult. They couldn't obviously with uh, Wes Craven, but the writer, uh, Kevin Williamson, because he's a producer on this, mm-hmm. um, but he's not a writer. So I do wonder how closely involved he was or maybe he's just a producer in name but i think the best things that he did in the 2000s and in the late 90s was he really did have a sense of identifying kind of teen angst but then also having teens not be dumbasses uh, yeah. even if they even if they did silly shit and they even really did teenagery shit they weren't well dumb. there is a scene in the back half of the movie where a character and his girlfriend have a fight And he gets a ping from her cell phone with her location. And she stormed out angry and there's a killer on the loose. And he goes to look for her. Yeah. And it feels stupid on the one hand, like, oh my God, you idiot, get inside. But at the same time, I totally understand, especially as a teenager, the impulse of, oh my God, my girlfriend who I just 
royally pissed off because I'm an idiot is out there alone in the dark and there's a killer yeah. out there. I got to go help her. I got to go protect her. Yeah. And like that balance is really well shown here. Oh yeah, definitely. Even some of the, the teenager characters who get killed, it's not because they're dumb. And I value that because it also makes the kills matter more. Yeah, um, definitely. There's one kill in, in the first bit or rather the lead up to the kill where I could not stop smiling because they so expertly parodied everything I hate about modern jump scare horror. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, but it still <laughs> felt scary. Yeah. And they, yeah they made fun of it and made it scary at the same time. And as someone who's so desensitized to that and dislikes it so much, the fact that they had me smiling and also covering my ears because I was afraid of, of when the big jump was going to happen. Yeah. Like that, that is, that is masterful work yeah. that I really they... don't feel we, we get in a lot of these, I would say quick release horror movies. Nah, because they, they definitely did that shit. They did like, they did it three times in a row. And the third time I was like, okay. I know exactly what you're doing. I get mm-hmm. it. So, you know, when someone, you know, uh, closes the blind, they're not going to open it and bam, you know, that shit happens in right. every fucking movie. And this one, they're like, yo, yo, dog. You, you can know. sense if someone is like standing next to you. So you wouldn't fall for this in real life. So I, I totally get it. They did the shit on that one. Can I just say, though, I really liked everybody on on this movie's like team young guns. I didn't necessarily want to hang out with them. Oh, there's a couple I hang out with. But like Sam and Richie and Tara and Mindy and Chad and Wes. I'll, I'll even give it to Wes as well. I was like, damn. First of all, these all feel like real young people, whether they're in their early 20s or in high school. But they feel like young people, which yeah. is no small lift seeing that most oh, yeah. of these people are in their 20s the one of the twins the brother twin mm-hmm. chad a, a black guy named chad wow <laughs> he's like 25 in a row yeah no he was possible he was totally possible they, they did a great job and the aesthetics of the costumes i thought were really good because yeah. one of them is totally like a tiktok e-girl and one of them's very tiktok goth and one of them's very kind of instagram film bro but like oh. Stoner and femme. And like those aesthetics are such niche internet things that exist. But also, like, if you went to any high school, you'd be able to totally pull them. Yo, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. You remember Mason and he had the Letterman jacket? That's the same fucking jacket from the opening of Scream. It just hit me like a lightning bolt. God damn, that's hard. That's hard. Um, That's tight. It is. There's little bits like that everywhere. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like they're like, see, see, fan service, see. It feels like they're like, okay, but like, how often does a public school change their Letterman jackets? Not very often. Right. And that's what they're leaning on. And just, yeah. But like, I like Team Young Guns a lot. I like these kids coming in. I like Sam telling Sydney and Gail, listen, I'm not like you. (laughs) And then realizing, Oh god damn it! I am exactly like them. Yeah, and them basically. realizing it at the same time. Oh god, she's exactly like us. <laughs> yeah. But also, this is this is another movie that I think is 
I know we've talked about female friendships a little bit already tonight. I don't know if it will make the episode, but whatever. The female bond in this movie is insane, especially by <laughs> horror movie standards. It feels very real, very it does. realistic. It does. And it, it feels very like welcoming in a way that a lot of female presences in horror don't. It doesn't feel like this is the popular girls club and you're not invited or this is the moms who will cut a bitch for their sons <laughs> and they they did it. It feels yeah. like real women who have been through a traumatic event together extending their arms to these other girls who have really just been through it. Yeah, I think one of my favorite conversations was it was at the party and the girl goes down for the beer and the other girl follows her and that uh we'll we'll spoil it in a couple of minutes but i think that whole conversation we don't know you still don't know who's who but i feel like that whole conversation was like yo a woman would look out for another woman in this way in real life and it felt super naturalistic it didn't feel like bullshitty or anything like that yeah and i also think the protagonist's presence specifically the female protagonists plural (laughs) it felt right and good and an understanding, but also like if they would have been like, well, it's Gail, I would have been like, oh my God, but also you're totally right. <laughs> like it was never enough to completely exonerate them. Yeah. Well, still you didn't want it to be them, but also <laughs> uh, comparing to like, I'm going to use star Wars as the example. I bought the relationship between team young guns and team OG way more than i did in star wars <laughs> but they didn't do it right until last jedi <laughs> right but even then like han solo was dead so he didn't really get to, to do it and and his True. relationship with ray is the closest thing to a thing i bought in that movie because really what it should yeah. have been was han was ray's mentor luke should have been john boyega's and leia should have been poe dameron's and it should have been about them learning their their different respective roles in the trilogy. And instead of it being the woman goes into the diplomatic role, like now there's a man in the diplomatic role. Now there's a woman in the smuggler role. And now there's a, a man of color in the Jedi role, which we'd only ever seen once before, but whatever. Imagine if they taught a regular smuggler dude with no midi chlorines how to be a Jedi. That Except would have been he, awesome, he but... canonically had a little bit of force. I mean, he had the force, all right, but they were scared um, of that, but... Yeah, but anyway, and and in this one, like when they try to talk to her and it doesn't work and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't listen to them either. But then they come to help her anyway. And I'm like, that is what they would do. And that makes sense. And it makes sense that only when she realizes that the story she's living is their story in their house, which she let them in. But they wouldn't hold that against her because they wouldn't want it to be true either. Like the exact similarities to the trauma that they go through and how that bonds them matters a lot. I also really liked that the Casey Becker stand in the little girl who, by the way, tremendous performance, like actually the more that I think about it, the more impressed I am. Gina Ortega. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that she goes on to have a a very long and successful career because I think she's got it in her. She's young as hell. She's only 20. She gives every end of the spectrum. To, oh my God, can you believe that mom's new boyfriend is texting me? To, (laughs) I am in mortal peril. To, I will bleed all over these hospital floors before I let this man kill me. (laughs) And everything in between, right? She she gives it all. And it all still feels relatably like she's 15. 
Yeah, definitely. She gets to go on to have a whole arc, right? Because like the whole thing in Scream 1 is, oh, Drew Barrymore is on the poster. She's the only big star and she she dies in the first five minutes. But the fact that that she pulls an I lived bitch <laughs> and then becomes the emotional center point of the whole movie, again, yeah. is a subversion of expectations while still playing homage to the original, while still making fun of tropes now that are popular. It's like the perfect fitting Russian nesting doll where every piece just click, 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 click. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into spoilers, I will say I do agree as far as I, I'm going with everything you said so far. And I especially do like that. I feel like these these people saw the kind of shit show that like uh, the Rise of Skywalker was. But then also even for like Last Jedi to where if you have like these sort of tent poles of your franchise, but they just are the guiding kind of hand, but they eventually let go and you let mm-hmm. the younger people, young generation take over. I think the way they balance that in this movie was pretty masterful. And I did kind of allude to if they have a scream six, you know, it's a, if they, even if they do, they actually have a generation now to whereas even if these tent poles don't pop up in scream six, uh, maybe they just go to an old age home or whatever. Uh, but if they don't mm-hmm. pop up, then maybe there's still something there. Yo, 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 quick sidebar. This episode was recorded on January 24th, and the sequel to Scream 6 was announced on February the 3rd. So <laughs> the writing was on the wall, and we are going to get a six Scream. Tune in to find out. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B. Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the WrestleCast Power Hour. And it's available everywhere, podcasts or streams. So everybody, check them out. You know The Godfather will. And it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. And before we actually do spoilers for anyone listening, I'm going to do a warning um, so you can hit the eject button. But on the front end, before we get to the spoilers, uh, you can tell from me and Kat's perspective, we both highly recommend watching this movie, uh, watching it safely, but definitely watching it still. Mm -hmm. And let's go ahead and spoil the fuck out of this thing. So the first thing to ask did you i didn't i wanted certain individuals to be the killers but did you guess who the killers would be i got one of them uh which one you get i got the girl Ah, uh, okay i'm not gonna lie i wanted the brother and sister to be killers man i thought of it uh I wanted them to be killers. I don't know why. Like, I I think it would have been pretty smart, but maybe it would have been to one of those that they actually were the killers. Did you think of uh, the second person or did you think it'd be just one killer? I, I knew there had to be two. Yeah. I did not. I did not pull who the two was correctly. Initially, I was thinking that the scene with Wes that I mentioned I really liked making fun of the horror cliches. Yeah. was going to end up being a manifestation of guilt 
And okay. and so he was jumping at every doorway because he was doing something wrong and he knew he was doing something wrong. Yeah. And I thought that would have been a really cool way to subvert that trope. Not that what they did was bad by any stretch. I really liked what they did with that scene. But I thought that would have been a cool way to to make it different. But obviously he gets murdered. So it's not him. <laughs> yes. And, and I actually I did think it was him. I really wasn't sure. There was definitely part of me for a while that thought it might be Gail. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So the reason that I was thinking that is because she arrived so quickly. <laughs> And if she doesn't like doing TV, if her, her joy was really writing and writing about these horrible murders, then like if one hadn't happened in 10 years, maybe she's there to stir the pot a little. I don't know how to bring this up delicately. So I'm just going to I'm, I'm oh, going to come in like a wrecking ball, I guess. So Richie, Jack Quaid's character. Yeah. Is an adult. Yes. And dating a high schooler. I don't think she's in high school. Yes, she is. Sam? No, 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 Oh, 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 oh. Because he keeps calling her darling and sweetheart and babe, and she keeps calling him that also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to me, I was like, oh, that's the horror part of this movie. Other than the mass murder. that No, is this 26-year-old <laughs> is dating a 16-year-old. That, to me, is the horror part of this movie. The bodies are just kind of incidental in, in the eyes of that horror. Just set dressing. Can I, can I just say, oh, my God, the hand sanitizer plus stove thing? <laughs> I, I. That was wild. That, that was fucking okay, wild. Okay, but hear me out. That felt so in line with the scream movies where oh, you yeah. don't know whether you should shriek or laugh oh yes absolutely i was fucking floored I that was, was the exact right energy for the whole thing i was like like i you saw the setup like two seconds before it was gonna happen and i'm like they're not really gonna burn her then no nah, no nah. and then no whoosh, whoosh, Holy fuck. <laughs> when uh, oh my god. Um okay, but in terms of that character that I was not sure re- deserved the redemption that seemed to get it, they seemed real gung-ho to forget by the end of this movie that Skeet Ulrich murdered like eight people. Yeah. That because was... I kind of dug initially that like he was always there whenever someone tried to kill her yeah and i was like all right you know what if that's what we're doing with this fine or when she was like trying to stop a murder he would still be there and kind of be like yeah but like the fact that he like pointed to the knife and was like girl go here save yourself i was like oh my god <laughs> weaver d fucking cotton weary. not cotton weary fucking um uh billy billy lewis they redeemed billy lewis and i was like, like the only thing that I thought they could have done there and the only thing that I think they should have done there, hear me out, is I think that she should have had from the jump an imagined version of him as a father. So he looked older Whoa. and alive. And then whenever a bad thing happened, he would start looking like young, the real blood covered yeah. Billy Loomis. And it should have been about her desire to have a dad that loved her. And that yeah. should have that should have been the one that said, there's the knife. Go not young 
bloody Billy Loomis. Yeah, like how would she know what he looked like when he died? Like that. Well, because they made a movie about it. Oh, touche. So I I think there there should have been an established. This is what I wanted my dad to be. Yeah. And then this is what my dad is. And those two delusions because they decided to make her psychotic. <laughs> that was that was a tough kind. I didn't I didn't not buy it. But the issue was that, like, if they had brought it in with a little more subtlety initially, I think I would have bought it a little more instead of it just <sighs> coming in hard and then just being like, you get it right. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I think they're going to use that to make her the killer in Scream 6. I don't. If there, if there is a Scream 6. I If there is a Scream 6, I think that she is going to be the one that everybody expects. I do not think she will be the killer. Mm-hmm. I think she is going to be the one that everybody casts doubt on. I don't think she's going to be the killer because if nothing else, I think that Melissa Barrera is going places and she will not be doing a murder today. Thank you. She will not be doing a murder today. That's so funny. I hope that there is not a Scream 6. Yeah, we don't need Scream 6. We really don't. But but also this to me, it feels like the perfect return to formula yet with subversion. Yeah. That it's it's okay to be done now. Like you did it. You brought it back <laughs> home to Wes and you you made it beautiful and for him. Yeah. It's okay. You say for the credits when they did. Uh, did the tribute and they did the birds. That was because he was a bird watcher. It was a very it was a very touching moment. So yeah. I thought they did everything right. Some of the story beats didn't land. Sure. I also do yeah. wonder if some of that was an attempt to like also point fun at that because a lot of times they do like, oh, well, she's psychotic in like horror <laughs> movies. She's misunderstood. Yeah. She's psychotic. And like, whatever. And like, also, also, hey, folks, I know this is going to be coming out right after a Matrix episode. Get therapy. If you need help, <laughs> get help. Help is not trying to hurt you. It's really not. It is totally not. And I feel like this might be another movie where they're like, well, see, the drugs didn't do anything. Like, no, no, no medication <laughs> helps. You get the help that you need. I love yes. and support that for you, listener. <laughs> I honestly was kind of impressed beyond the fact that I thought there should have been a young Billy and an old Billy. And that would have, I think, made her conflict about it a little more understandable because she'd like imagined this version of her dad as like a scared 13 year old who found that journal and just wanted to have a life with her, her dad. Yeah. And then the dad she actually got, I think that dynamic could have been a little bit more interesting, but I did think it was a very compassionate portrayal of that considering how little time the movie spent with it. Yeah. How did you like the performances from Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox and David Arquette? So I definitely think that Neve Campbell, she brings it every time, but also every time it is different. So yeah. the energy of her in this movie as like a mama bear who will not go home until she knows her cubs are safe. <laughs> like I felt that from her. Like it was radiating off of her. Yeah, I'm his daughter. I'm sorry if that's weird for you. No, no, it's. I've been through this. A lot. You want to talk? I appreciate it. And I'm I'm really sorry about Dewey. But I'm taking my sister away from all this. I tried running too. 
It doesn't work. It always follows. All due respect, that's your life, not mine. I'm not so sure about that. What do you want from me, lady? Hey, watch your tone, new girl. You know how they always say it goes back to the original? Here's the original. I want your help. Because you're wrong, this is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. So? So I want you to help us kill him. You want me to help you and the host of a morning show commit murder, correct? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, damn, Neve Campbell. Like, you started this series as like a little high school girl who like <laughs> snuck her boyfriend into her room for chaste smooches. And look at you now. Honestly, like, I think she is amazing. Yeah, definitely. I also really, I liked David Arquette a lot. My favorite line in the movie, not necessarily the best one, but my favorite is when Ghostface kills her and says, it's been an honor. That's why I thought it was one of the twins, because I felt like that line would have fit the girl twin, uh, Mindy. Mindy. I think. I think it would have fit her pretty well, but but that honestly, was sick. I'll, I'm gonna sound like like a total like fuckwit. But once I saw that she just wanted to get stoned and make out make out with pretty girls, I was like, oh, it's man. not her. It's oh, not man. her. Like <laughs> the coolest person in this fucking movie can't be the killer. Number one, Ugh, don't do it. Back. Don't go outside after her. She's not texting me back because she's probably dead. Jesus, Mindy, it's my girlfriend, and I love her. It was your girlfriend? We're just going to sit here and watch a movie about our uncle getting stabbed. It calms me down, okay? I'm also going to smoke some weed and possibly hook up with Francis. Have fun. Well, no, but the other <laughs> thing is, like, if that's your goal, right? I want to get stoned and I want to make out with pretty girls. The idea of getting caught, murdered, or going to jail. It's going to take away all It is going to impede getting stoned and making out with pretty girls. Definitely. Definitely. I didn't think the brother wasn't involved until we thought he died. And then he didn't die, which I was actually really happy about. I thought yeah. they chose just the right amount of people to get like murdered versus just like maimed and kind of fucked up. Can I just say though, one thing that really blew me away about this movie, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast and I apologize if it you know sounds like I'm repeating myself, but I really feel like they did a great job of representing kids who grew up in an area where all of their parents had trauma that happened at their school. Yeah. Where they're kind of making jokes about it. Like, oh, that could never happen to us. But all of them are like, okay, but it did happen to them. And like that kind of underhanded fear that they all have, but won't show the other ones that they have. The acting that these young people had to do to represent yeah. that. And also the thought process that the director or the writer had to put into including that. Just know that somebody noticed. <laughs> yes. You know, they feel like young people that are like, I understand that this happened to my parents, but I'm not like them. And are trying to prove that to themselves every day. But also when you see scenes with them with their parents, they are their parents' children. And that dichotomy, I think, is really strong and interesting. I think two of my favorite things from the film, other than that monster that cut deep line, that, that may be my favorite part of the whole movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but one, another thing that I really love, I said I don't know why I wanted to be the killer, but I actually do. I just wanted him to be the killer just to subvert the image of Black folks in these type of situations and what they can and can't do. But uh, with them surviving at the end, before these two, there was only four Black characters in all the Scream movies, and mm -hmm. they all died. And yep. so these folks, the brother and sister, they actually survive. And then also, something else that I did love, that kept the tradition alive from the old films, 
They told you who the fuck the killers were. They literally tell you who these killers are. And your mind is so kind of programmed to like be suspicious of everyone that in a lot of ways you just kind of ignore that. Yeah. Yeah. You miss it. So I love the fact that the reaction at the end where Richie was like, (laughs) oh yeah, he fucking told you. I was so shocked or whatever. Like Dewey fucking called me out. And then like, that was it. But she like totally ignored Dewey. It's kind of like a conduit for the audience because we kind of suspect from the beginning that he's kind of this nice guy or whatever. But um, he turned out, you know, to be the the biggest dicks of heads in this whole fucking shit. So. I also think they did such a good job of throwing you off in additional ways. Like when he goes, holy shit, it's Ghostface. Like that delivery is so believable. (laughs) Like I'm being serious. Like he seems like a guy who just got shot in the leg and is trying to hide and he can't. And the guy is right there and he just panics. One thing, and this is something that Matthew actually mentioned, and I kind of agree with him. Since Ghostface is is a guy, in this case, two guys, kind of wanted to see him like, fall over more in, <laughs> to be in, a bit scream more goofy. One, in scream one and scream two like you could throw a phone book at him and he would kind of get fucked up you know and like yeah. he doesn't really do that in this one he doesn't do it in scream three either and they try to kind of explain that and it doesn't really work in scream four he is like an omniscient god is, an, is another <laughs> thing I don't, yeah it's another thing i don't like about scream four i think it, it's another layer in that serious horror versus comedy cocktail it should be mixed not layered but he does have a couple stumbles in this one and i think those are good i like that he is a little bit bejeweled in some of the in scream one and two he is a little bit bedazzled so he kind of blends (laughs) blends into the light so like in the dark it's really hard to see him outside of the face because of those sequins and in this one he looks like he's in a production of Hello Dolly, and I love it. <laughs> Hilarious. As fans of the movies, they would be like, well, he had sparkles in one and two, and he didn't have them in three and four. And those are clearly the lesser installment. Like, <laughs> yeah, it feels very revisionist history in a way that's very in line with exactly what the main like the main killers would be thinking. And I thought yeah. that, that that like stupid attention to detail, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked Gail in this. I think Courtney Cox is a really great actress who is really great at not being genuine, but her genuine is still a little bit like, wait, was that genuine? <laughs> yeah. And definitely. I think she really turns that up to 11 here. I buy this version of Dewey a lot more than I buy Scream 4 Dewey. Ooh. I don't buy Scream 4. Like I'm kind of repeatedly a dick to my wife, Dewey, nearly as much <laughs> yeah. as I buy I tried to go to New York and I couldn't hack it and I panicked and I left and I, I didn't want to tell you I couldn't do it. So instead, yeah. I just didn't tell you anything. I buy that so much more than Scream 4 Dewey. And I buy that he watches her show every day because he misses her. <laughs> yeah, I do um, as well. And like that to me feels much more like the Dewey we knew from from Screams 1 through 3 than where they landed in Scream 4. I know you gave me a little bit of a pushback about how I didn't like Dewey's characterization in Scream 4, but now that you've seen what it could have been, do you see what I was saying then, now? Yeah, because I actually, I think, I'm not going to lie, I think Dewey may be my favorite, maybe my favorite character in this movie. I do love the grizzled veteran who, he tried to make it happen with the love of his life. He got scared. He panicked. And he, he, he kind of, he like had his tail between his legs. 
and he's kind of beaten down. And so this is him, this movie, he's really trying to, I don't want to say that. redemption, but it's sort of like he's trying to redeem himself. We're trying he's, to save these kids. He, he had, a, had a break. He had to leave the force because he couldn't hack it in New York. He couldn't be a good husband. And, and because of that, every area of his life fell apart. I buy that so much more than Gail, you can't be here because I need to impress my deputy with protocol. Like, no, fuck <laughs> you. You knew what you married. Like, Hilarious. I like this version of him infinitely better, even though in some ways I think he's he's worse. But like, I don't care. <laughs> All right. I really fuck with Dewey. My my three favorite characters are Dewey and the twins. So those are I'm riding for all of them. So um but no Scream 6. No Scream 6, please. I think I might be Tara Mindy Sydney in this. All right. I think those might be my my three. But I do have to say, and like, you know, I don't like to say nice things about white men if I can avoid it. Hilarious. I don't know what they did. If it was makeup, if it was CGI, if it was if it was both or, or neither, I don't know. But I thought, despite all the makeup or CGI, that Skeet Ulrich gave a really good performance. And he said like <laughs> nine words in that whole movie. Basically. But like his eyes and eyebrows did so much work. <laughs> and like when she looks up in the mirror and Jack Quaid is trying to murder her, he looks like an angry dad. And also an 18 year old <laughs> kid at the same time. And that like ire, that, that rage, he is serving it. And I don't know for who, even <laughs> if they made another Scream movie, like he would not be the main character. Like he's not going to get a, a best supporting for this, but he is like slaying the house down. I have to admire that about him. I was really shook by his performance, especially because of all the digital de-aging. So that's why I think there would be a Scream 6, though, because the young cast is good. And then that aspect of it, well, Ski Ultra is actually good, too, still. I think that's why they would do a Scream 6. And that's why I think she would be the killer in Scream 6. So I think if there is a Scream 6, that it has to be her and Skeet Ulrich as co-leads trying to figure out who did it. Because they kind of gave him a half redemption arc. Yeah. And if, if they've decided that the the more classically handsome of the two murderers is going to be exonerated <laughs> because he's got a hot daughter now, then he's got to oh, lean nice. into that and he's got to get like a, you know, a trench coat and a fedora and he's got to become a private eye that is narrating her investigation in her head. Well, we're actually recording this on the gods, Matthew Lillard's 52nd birthday. So if Scream 6 come out, they have to bring his fucking ass back. I don't give a shit how they do it. He's got to fucking come back. It's See, so there's definitely, there's definitely part of me that thinks that they would do it, that he hasn't been dead. Like he survived the TV show. <laughs> He's been in like an insane asylum. And he, oh. he got out on the, let's say, 30th anniversary of the killings. And talking my language, you're talking and he's uh, he's ready now, and it has to be Sam and Skeet Ulrich trying to figure him out. And the first joke of his reappearance is, "You can't kill someone with a fucking TV, bro." Slash, like I can't, please, yeah, please. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram and letterboxed. Follow Marcus 
at showinmadlove, on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter, at Cat and Mark. Be sure to read us at catseasmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? Yeah!